Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. My favorite storybook Bible that we have at home is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Have you ever seen this? Anybody? I love this. Um, the, the subtitle is Every Story Whispers His Name. I love this book. We read it to all of our kids multiple times. just has a way of putting things. So I'm going to start. Um, my, uh, my message here is called Black Paint and Broken Glass black paint and broken glass. I'm going to start reading actually out of the the Jesus Storybook Bible. It just has a way of putting things. But the creation, it says, God saw all that he had made and he loved them. And they were lovely because he loved them. But God saved the best for last. From the beginning, God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people to share his forever happiness. They would be his children, and the world would be their perfect home. So God breathed life into Adam and Eve. When they opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new dad. You look like me, he said. You're the most beautiful thing I've ever made. God loved them with all of his heart, and they were lovely because he loved them. Genesis 127 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Adam and Eve together were like a mirror image of him. No darkness, full of light, no sin. They were perfect. They could look God full in the face without going blind, without dying. Full color, brilliant, iridescent. They were luminous. They were a mirror image of God. A living, breathing self-portrait. Like you, you are made in the image of God, the God who is light. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Deuteronomy 32.10 says, he kept Israel as the apple of his eye. That term, apple of his eye, is actually an English idiom. It didn't translate directly from Hebrew that way. The Hebrew actually, um, the Hebrew word used for apple there was really the pupil. The apple of the eye was the pupil. And um, it's defined as the, is the part of the eye in which, as in a mirror, a little image of a man is seen. Israel, the apple of his eye. It's what you see when you're face-to-face with somebody. You see a little version of yourself. You see a much smaller, darker reflection of yourself, a little self-image, if you will. God looked at Adam and Eve and saw a little reflection of himself, and he called it very good. That is our purpose, to reflect our creator for his pleasure and for his glory. So made in his image with his likeness, we try as humans to imitate his creativity. We want to capture, want to enhance or deliver beauty to the eye, so we create art. We've got digital art like Brother Gothra does, fabulous job. Um, virtual art. My husband does web design. It's virtual art. You can't put your fingers on it, but yet you can call it beautiful. Photography. We, we do sculpting. We do painting. I don't. <laughs> Not very artistic. But they are ways that we use to imitate God. All of these are art forms. But at our very best, we can only produce something lifeless. 
We can at our very best only capture a moment that has passed, an image that can't talk or think or react. We copy something we could never create, something that's already there, and he creates from nothing. There was no Adam before God materialized his fleshly form out of nothing. And when Adam came to life, he looked just like God, as much as any finite creature could. And he was alive. Life was God's medium. Space and time are his canvas. This is living paint he used, and in every color, breath and scent and movement and rushing wind and flowing water, sun shining, earth rotating, leaves catching rays from the sun, taking in carbon dioxide and giving off oxygen. We breathe this in and our systems move in harmony, blood flowing, heart beating, fingernails and hair growing, nerves sending messages, synapses firing, concepts forming, words and sound transferring thought from one mind to another through the moving parts of lungs and throat and tongue and lips and teeth, knowledge increasing, wisdom developing, revelation breaking like waves on the soul, leaving their indelible marks. He spoke and the molecules suddenly materialized and the atoms began moving and they haven't stopped moving since. It's more than 3D. It's body, soul, spirit, natural and physical and spiritual and emotional. These are his paints, his mixed media. You are his living masterpiece. Tell the person next to you, you're his masterpiece. You are. You may not believe it, may not see it, may not feel it, but you are. You were created in his image, intended to reflect him. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, the perfect, the perfect image of him, like a mirror image. And then like a giant fist slamming into a mirror, sin shattered the image. The picture was distorted. Hard lines divided the perfect form and the colors split. Shadows descended. Fragments fell from the frame. Lines appeared on the canvas, on the self-portrait God had made. Hard, black lines, boundaries, judgment. Black is the absence of color. The law of sin and death assumed authority. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7, verse 1, Know ye not, brethren, how that the law has dominion over a man as long as he liveth? Later in, in 7.21, he says, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. We feel this, right? Amen. Humanity is an image intended to reflect him in his beauty. But it's splintered, it's shattered, and we are captive. Now there was sharp contrast, brilliant and tolerable light and deep darkness, mystery and blindness. The Apostle John said, no man has seen God at any time. You can't look at him full in the face like Adam did. That image was darkened. There was a divide now, a veil. Corrupted flesh needed covering. Adam could no longer see God face to face, nor could he see himself as he was meant to be. This is our inheritance from the fall. It's an obscure view of who we are and who we ought to be. 
There's mystery there, right? <laughs> Who should I be? What am I supposed to be like? We acknowledge our sin and we see shattered pieces where our whole form should be reflected. We see through a glass darkly, Paul said in 1 Corinthians. We know in part, he said, fragments, partial understanding, partial knowledge, partial wisdom, grappling with mystery. And like Adam and Eve after the fall, we know in his presence we cannot stand as we are. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out all mine iniquity, David said in Psalm 51. Even Moses, who was the friend of God, who spoke with him face to face as with a friend, was denied the privilege of seeing his face. Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Exodus 33:20. Like graffiti on a pastel mural, the image was corrupted. It was beautiful with lily pads and flowers and water and light colors and blues and greens and white and now black. Streaks spots and splatters. My husband and I went to uh, Paris last year. We were blessed to go to the museum, um, Musée d'Orsay. It's a, it's, they have modern art. It's like the last 300 years worth of art. It's modern. <laughs> okay. Um, but there's so many beautiful things there. We saw, you know, paintings by Monet and Manet and all these famous names that I didn't recognize because I'm not really into art, but you can't help but appreciate it there. You know, it's just amazing. Some of the accomplishments of these people. This happened before photography, so they were seizing the moment and capturing it on canvas, and there it was, you know. Otherwise, we wouldn't know how, what a lot of those old kings looked like, right? But there were impressionists that were represented there, whole, whole galleries full of the impressionist paintings, and there were pastels, and there was, you know, it's what you, the impressionists were known for, looking at like a, a landscape and painting what their impression of that landscape was. It was lots of light colors. They hinted at reality, but, and, and they made you think, but you'd never mistake an impressionist painting for a photograph. They didn't use a lot of black, <laughs> a lot of other colors. Then there were the works of the realists that just seemed to leap off the canvas. There were many of the realist paintings that I could mistake for a photograph. They were just so accurate. You could almost touch them and feel the, the warmth of the skin of the, of the subject. They were that lifelike. And in many of them, the brush strokes in themselves were fascinating. Sometimes it was more than just the color, but you could often see texture in the paint, like great globs of it that up close, it looks like, it, you know, maybe they made a mistake. I don't know how, how they ended up here in, you know, Paris, but that looks like a mistake, but then you stand up, you stand back, and you, and you see the whole picture, and it was breathtaking. The realists used black. A few strokes of color on a black background sometimes communicates more meaning than if it were all in pastels. The black speaks mysteries. There's more to this picture, if only you could see it. Thomas Kincaid, do you know the name, Thomas Kincaid? He was a painter of light. He paints such romantic images, the uh, cabin with glowing windows in the foreground and mountains in the background, sunset reflecting off of a lovely pond with birds flying over it and a deer drinking from it and the deer's winking at you. Um, <laughs> you can almost smell the apple cinnamon candle burning and the uh, instrumental worship music in the background. It's a full sensory experience. Thomas Kincaid. <laughs> Romantic images, beautiful and colorful, all safe colors to convey peace and comfort, but they're not real. 
You'd never mistake one for a photograph, unfortunately. We all wish life were like that, but it's not. Black paint and broken glass. This is reality. This is what's left of the image of God. Lord, what can you do with this? Aren't you the artist? Isn't the brush in your hand? You wrote the law. Why have you made me thus? The clay cries out to the potter. The subject on the canvas pleads with the master painter. I see all the other color you put in my portraits, all the benefits, the blessings, every good and perfect gift. So much beauty. But what is this dark line, this glob of black you threw across my beautiful life? Black is defined as the absence of color, the absence of light. It divides and it causes stark contrast. Black represents boundaries, fences, impossibilities, unchangeable limitations. Not sin in themselves, but the effect of sin, the law of sin and death. The constriction, inhibitions, and complications that come with being human, being alive. Sickness and disease and loss and grief. We see things we ought to do and we want to do, but we just can't. There are boundaries that prevent us. Black lines. Paul was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Don't really know why. There's a black line. David, man after God's own heart, was told, you will not be the one to build the temple. We feel trapped by life's circumstances, and we ask God, why? Rebecca, wife of Isaac, son of the covenant. She was pregnant with Jacob and Esau, two nations struggling in her womb, and she pleaded with God, if it be so, why am I thus? If your plan here is perfect, if you are the master of the universe, if there is nothing out of your control, then why am I going through this? Black lines, grief, that divorce you didn't want, the child who turned his back on God, family hurt, church turmoil, financial disaster, anxiety, depression, and loss. Job, bereft of his land, possessions, and children, and his health, sat on the dung heap, scratching his open sores with a piece of pottery. Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me. Unavoidable pain and heartbreak, and it's no one's fault. Black lines. If only you would have let my loved one live. Shadow on the canvas. Mystery and questions left unanswered. And life is distorted and shattered and marred, broken. Paul called Jesus the image of the invisible God and the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. He was the flawless second Adam, that mirror image 2.0, perfectly made and without sin. The art critics, if you will, of his day looked at this new self-portrait of God and found fault. This is not the glorious masterpiece we expected. 
He should be richly clothed in purple robes. His stature should be more regal. The brush strokes are all wrong. He's surrounded by thieves and lepers and tax collectors. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Black lines everywhere on this portrait. This was the work of the ultimate realist. And though he didn't deserve it, like every human since Adam, he bore the sin-shattered, broken reflection of God. In fact, his image was damaged more than yours, more than mine. Isaiah prophesied in chapter 52, verse 14, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of man. The complete Jewish Bible puts it this way. Many were appalled at him because he was so disfigured that he didn't even seem human. He simply looked no longer like a man, like someone from whom people turned their faces. He was despised. We did not value him. Shattered image, ruined, and we looked away. Black splotches and streaks all over the painting. The express image of the invisible God, marred, damaged, unrecognizable. Man, the center of his attention, the apple of his eye, turned away from him in whom is no shadow of turning. We did the turning, and the shadow fell across his face. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Black paint, shattered glass. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He cried out. The sky darkened, the earth quaked, and with the last wide sweep of the brush, the canvas went black. The light of the world, suffocated under the great weight of sin, extinguished, and justice was met. Sin shatters. Sin disfigures. Jesus, in whom is no sin, was disfigured by sin more than anyone. The source of light himself plunged into the darkness of hell, and for three days, darkness prevailed. God, how can this be part of your plan? We walk through life situations feeling so blind, stumbling, not knowing how God can make this better, how God can fix this mess. There's broken glass everywhere, streaks of black paint all over an image that was made to reflect him. But light is stronger than darkness. After three days, the brilliant, incorruptible light of the world burst forth. A new portrait was made, glorified and incorruptible. Life conquered death and restoration began. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You do what no man can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. After all the heartache and pain, the law of sin and death brought us to a greater law. Romans chapter 8, verse 2 says, The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Not yet, but the promise is there. It's begun. It's not finished yet, but the promise is there. He hath made us free. 
Revelation 21.5 says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Praise God. How do you add texture to paint? You add sand, broken glass, ground down. Not a fragment wasted, no drop of paint lost. Death is swallowed up in victory. He uses mixed media, space, time, and all the elements of life. What happens to black paint in the hand of the master, the father of lights, in whom is no variableness or, and no darkness of, at all? No darkness in him. All that black, the absence of color and light, all that mystery and emptiness will be filled in with his marvelous light. Here we see darkly. There he is the light. The brightness of his glory that we cannot handle now, we will see with fresh eyes. The shadows will disappear. The black lines will illuminate and reflect his brilliance. And we will see him as he is. Praise God. He uses every broken piece and makes a new portrait of himself. Restoration began the day you received the Holy Ghost. And if you have not received the Holy Ghost, he can begin that new portrait tonight. He takes the broken pieces of that glass. He grinds them down to sand and mixes them in with the paint and starts a new work. Now with a new texture, more interest and contrast and definition. And he promises that the black, those places void of light and full of mystery, will be filled in with glory when at last the light of his countenance will flood every corner of heaven and reveal all truth. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The masterpiece he's making, with all the color and texture and beauty and depth, will take your lifetime to complete. The finished work will be unveiled on that day when he returns. All the crooked places will be made straight, all the rough places plain, and all flesh will see it together. It won't just be a solving of the mystery of who we are supposed to be, but we shall see him as he is. We won't be just looking at our little spot on the grand mosaic, but it will be the whole picture that we see. Metaphors fail, analogies fail. His design is more than a mirror image. It's more than a painting. His medium is life incorruptible. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. I can't tell you why those lines, those shadows, those dark spots, and those globs of paint are there on your life. All I can tell you is that on that day, when the image is fully restored and the light of his glory hits that looking glass, it will be clear whose face you will see. It will be his image, his face that we see. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is he became like us so we could become like him 
His visage was marred so your image could be whole again. He plunged himself into utter darkness so the full light of his glory could be seen on your face. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's behind all that black paint. We'll see it. Exodus. In Exodus, the, uh, the tabernacle in all of its detail was a picture of Jesus. God dwelling in the midst of his people. The first thing that you saw when he came to the door was the brazen altar. It's where innocent animals were sacrificed because of people's sin. It was bloody, it was fiery, it was dramatic, it was dark. There were ashes. It was black. It was the law of sin and death in action. And just beyond the altar was the laver, or the basin where the priests would wash themselves after offering sacrifice. This laver was made from the polished bronze mirrors of the women who came to the tent. Self-images laid down in view of him. Take your self-image, all its faults and its wrinkles, its visible effects of sin and unchangeable difficulties, all its cracks and smears of black, and bring them to the door of the tabernacle. Replace it with the image of God. See Jesus fulfilling his own law, taking your corruption so you can put on incorruptible Turn your eyes to the one who suffered for you, who was disfigured more than anyone, and let him transform you day by day into a glorious image of himself. He is able to make all things new. Amen. 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 He is the God of all flesh, and nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for him. He can make something new out of all of our broken pieces and all the black paint, but he will only use the pieces he's given. Can he take the shattered remnants of your life and make something beautiful? Yes, he can. But we have to give him those pieces. We have to trust him. He's the author. He's the master artist. He's the sculptor of life. And his finished product will be revealed in the end. And you will see how every splatter of black paint, every broken splinter of glass makes the image of him in you more glorious. Jesus. Gather all the fragments, all the mysteries, all the uncertainty, all the hurt, the pain, and lay them at his feet. Let him grind those remnants down. Mix them with paint. Apply them to the canvas of your life and make something beautiful. It's what he does best. His finished work is beyond what you can imagine. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, 
but then shall I know even as also I am known. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's give him our shattered fragments tonight, our corrupted canvas. Let's bring our questions to him, our hurt, our pain, our limitations. Let's bring them to the one who can make them glorious. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all flesh. Thank you, Jesus, that you are able, God, to make something out of this, Lord Jesus. All the mystery, Lord God, all the uncertainty, Lord Jesus. When we bring it to you, oh God, you fill it with light and we give you praise. We give you praise. You are God and God alone and there is no other Savior. There's no other Master, Jesus. There's no other Lord. You are faithful. God, we give you praise, Lord Jesus. You are the Master Artist, oh God. You are the painter, Lord. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Saturday.